I think I can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you now. How you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Ta. I was um, <clears throat> I was going to wear my white EJ tattoo T-shirt <laughs> to sort of support the brand, and then I thought I better not. I wear it in a different one and mention it, um, and then you've got yours on. So I'm really, really glad that I didn't now. Yeah, I was going through my wardrobe this morning, like, oh, what a look got on camera. I'm like, oh, I might as well try and plug myself a bit. <laughs> look on the other one that's what? bigger. Well, look good on camera, an unironed white t shirt. My <laughs> 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 first experience of Zoom. <laughs> yeah, I've not used this before. Yeah, it's, um, it's good. I mean, I've got a subscription for it, so it's, it's cost for like a year because um, usually it's only. Um, 40 minutes so All right. I, I need to learn how it works because you can screen share so if you're telling me about something i can search it on the internet and bring it up on the screen and stuff at this moment <laughs> in time no <laughs> it's no, not no, it's, um so yeah so i need to have a little play about with it and, and figure that sort of stuff out so mm. i'm surprised you've never thought about doing something like this I, t I tend to do stuff, um, like if, if I need to have a chat with lads from work or something like that, we just do like a three-way call on Facebook. Right. But not, I mean like I mean like recording stuff and putting it out there, you know, like podcast type stuff. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is um, me just not thinking people will be that bothered about what I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put a disclaimer out when I started this and I was just like, it's not for views, it's not for other people, it's just for me to learn stuff and that's just a way of me saying I don't care if only 10 people watch it. <laughs> but deep down you know that you check every morning to see how many views it's <laughs> But no, like every time, there's, I've got a few friends who are like creative, not just they're good at one particular thing. You can speak to them about many things and they're just, they always seem to be able to contribute towards a conversation. Mm. Oh, you're one of them people and I've been sort of thinking if ever if ever we're not locked down and this went into a studio it'd be cool to have sort of a couple of us and then some like one person come in because like I've found that no matter what the conversation is you you always have the ability to join in like, yeah. like you know something about everything does that make sense yeah no I'm with you yeah, I don't know if that's from obviously your job yeah, it could because of everyone that I talk to and stuff, I make people from all different walks of life. So, yeah. So how 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 do you become a tattoo artist? Like, I figure, is it like you can't just buy a tattoo? Well, I'm guessing some people might just buy a tattoo gun and just start tattooing people. Yeah, a lot of people do it like that because Amazon and stuff and eBay have started to crack onto it. So now you can get like all cheap machines, like full tattoo kits, sort of like a little briefcase with everything in it you need, and oh, wow. people just start having a blast at yeah. home. And uh, yeah, I've done many uh, many cover-ups because of people <laughs> doing stuff like that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've posted it, <laughs> yeah. I'm one of them. <laughs> Number one guy. <laughs> the way you're supposed to do it is, um, so I start hanging out in a decent shop and sort of get to know some artists and stuff and show them your drawings and, if you can make up like a solid portfolio to walk in with, like show that you're good at drawing and doing different things, showing techniques, um, different styles, not just stuck into one box and then hope that an artist that you respect will give you a chance. And then it's just doing scut work. I would just washing motorbikes, walking dogs, 
first one in the shop, last one out at the shop, cleaning everything. If bins weren't done, I got walled up and that. But <laughs> I think uh, my my apprenticeship were one of the last old school ones because it was like a, a guy from a bike gang that owned the shop. And he was a tattoo, so it was like a proper like biker apprenticeship type thing. So it was, yeah, it was wild. So a few how long ago that? Um, about eight or nine years, I think. Wow. Something like that. So how, how difficult is it to transition from sort of pen and pencil on paper to tattoo gun on skin? I, I personally found it um, quite easy. Um, but I, th- I think I was just that buzzing to get into it that I was just sort of, you know, giving it everything, if that makes sense. You know, you, you can either sort of be a bit nervous with it or you can just jump straight in. But one thing my boss had sort of told me to tattoo my mates at home, which you shouldn't do, but it's happened now. So what I'd do is I'd be at work and stuff and I'd be like, oh, I'll take your stuff home, practice on your mates. So me and my mates would just sit in my room and the most unhygienic situation when I first started out. But <laughs> that's where I did a lot of my learning and uh Ended up coming out the other side, but luckily, um, my dad's had like certain stuff to sterilize things with being a nurse at his work and uh, being diabetic and having needles and stuff in house all the time. So he had certain ways of making sure it was cleaner than it could have been. <laughs> <laughs> and what sort of tattoos were you doing when you first, like the sort of ones you'd do at home? I was doing proper old school stuff, so when I first got into it, I liked the idea of it, but I didn't actually know much about the industry. Um, so it was the typical, what everyone does, they watch Miami Inc and think they know everything about it, like how one of the people. <laughs> um, and, uh, but like the only tattooist I'd heard of was a guy called Rich Wells in Leeds. Um, he still tattoos now. Um, and for some reason, like when, I, when I was starting out, I was just obsessed with like his style. I just thought his old school stuff were proper cool, so... I basically just tried to rip him off for like a year, just doing like proper old school like sailor tattoos and I stuff. Think, like. I think like gain inspiration is is a better way to put it. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's probably better way. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just wanted to do him. Yeah. Ended up getting a few pieces off him. He did this big, not know if you can really see, but he did this big eagle here. Oh yeah, it's holding like a Spitfire plane that's exploding. A lot of people think it's a racist tattoo, but it's got a story behind it. And then he did um, a big moth on the back of my neck that was one of the worst experiences of my life. It was so painful. I wanted to wait in at the end I feel it. like you enjoy making other feel, people feel pain because I was quite open to you just doing whatever you want. And when I realised, like, the bits in between your arms, you seem to put as much of the pattern into the bits <laughs> that hurt the most <laughs> um, as, as possible. <laughs> One, one thing that, that I do think is a thing, because, like, as you've been getting more tattoos, you've got, like, worse with the pain. But I really think there's a thing where if you sort of know the person, it's easier for you to complain. Does that make sense? Because, like, over the years, we've sort of, you know, we've become... You're, saying that, you're just saying I complain. Is this, is this your way of <laughs> just dropping in the facts that I complain? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it's like when I tattoo my mates, they're all proper, really like moaning about it. Everyone breaks up between them. You can say what you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all being little bitches. <laughs> so, um, but then, like, people that I don't know, you'll be able to see that they're in pain, but they just sort of get through it. And I'm like that with um, when I get tattoos, because if I go and get something off 
because I, I tend to get tattooed by Mick Miller in Leeds and Rich Wells. And like, I don't know them that well. So I've just sort of sit and bear it. But when I get tattooed by like the lads that I work with, as soon as the needle goes in, I'm like, I'm over it. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I think that, that that could be a thing, sort of, as you've been getting tattooed and as we've sort of spoke over the years and sort of like become mates, I think that's making you more of a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but is it true that if you're right-handed, you can take more pain on the right side of your body? Is that a real thing? I don't, I've, heard, I've heard a lot of it said, but I've never seen any science that backs it. Because you did my right arm first and my left arm second, so maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. It's the yeah, it could arm. be. I, I have heard people say I'm that. I'm just clutching but... at straws here. I'm just trying <laughs> for anything. And the other thing is, so we met because I worked at Leeds City Council and I mentioned, I don't know how I got into the conversation about getting a tattoo, and my manager, who's not covered in tattoos I don't think I don't even know if she's got any tattoos but she's like a I don't want to say normal like woman like a mum and a manager of the council she's just like she's she's not the type who I I would go to for a tattoo recommendation basically yeah, she was yeah. saying oh there's a there's a guy in Rawdon and my, I think you went to school with a daughter didn't you yeah I think so yeah so she was like you should go and see him so then when I, I used to work at the Rawdon office once or twice a month, so whenever that was, I'd ring you and book you for two hours and then just take my hour lunch and then book an hour's holiday and then come, <laughs> and, sit, come and sit with you for two hours. So maybe it's, I only had two hours done at a time. Back yeah. Then, and then this arm, because it was just constant. Um, but when, oh, hashtag fuck stippling. Wow. <laughs> that was, that was all. I think it's the first time I've had to say I can't, like you need to stop like, yeah. so, like you were i mean the way i describe it to people is if you imagine a kid with a crayola <laughs> coloring in <laughs> like this and then when you wiped the ink away there was probably like 12 dots after this and then you wipe it away and then you go again so it's like just the repetitive sort of each little bit multiple times and i was mm. just like Oh, I can't do it. And I think we managed to get like a just just under a half. It was probably like a third of it done. And I was like, nah. Um, <laughs> that's the first time I used num uh, numbing cream. Yeah, because I think I got you on it, didn't I? Yeah, but I'm a twitcher. <laughs> thing. I'm a real twitcher. So it just makes me jump. Like it's not necessarily painful. It's just, you know when something gets you unexpected? Yeah, yeah. A bit like that. The thing is, chest's a really bad area as well. I, I had my chest done when I was 16, and um, I remember it being very bad. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I always feel for people when I'm tattooing the chest. Yeah, that's, that, that has been the worst. I mean, when we were doing all these dots, <clears throat> there were bits that was a bit nippy, but it's just, it, like I say to people, it only hurts for the second it's touching you on certain yeah, areas, yeah. and then that's it, it's done. But then when I see people, I mean, there's, there's somebody that you tattoo that's literally covered, um, a girl. And when I see her and I just think, how has she sat through all this? And then when I got tattoo numbing cream, I was like, I'm, I wonder how many people actually do this. Because a lot of people, like I was one of them, you know, I've got a motorbike. If I knew someone had heated grips, I'd be like, what do you mean heated grips? <laughs> what sort of a bike are you getting heated grips? And then I got I lent a bike with heated grips and I was like, oh, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So now my bike has got heated grips and I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> that, then, that's, that's what I've, I've done it myself with numbing cream because like, the last that you're on about 
her herself said try it sometimes. So she left me a tube at the shop. I can't remember the first one I used. I think it were something on my chest. I think like one day I was bored, so I numbed up my chest and I tattooed myself, and it was well difficult. Um, <laughs> and and uh, yeah, and just like literally feeling nothing. I was like, oh, right, this is me now. And I haven't been tattooed without it since. Because it's like, well, if I can sit there and not feel, well, then yeah. It's the toxic masculinity thing, isn't it? It's, oh, you get soft if you, if you use numbing cream. But for me, the more I twitch, the longer it takes. The longer it takes, the more it costs. And the more likely mm-hmm. it is to go wrong. Because if you think about the stuff that you've done, if I was to twitch during any of those lines or yeah, yeah, it exactly. sets off a, 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 a pattern where it's, it's not going to be symmetrical anymore, yeah, and it's all going to start to go. Yeah, I, th- I think like for some stuff, like I have some people that like they want to get numbing cream for like their arm here mm. or like a little thing here, like stuff like that. No, but um, I think one thing I tell myself that makes me feel a little bit better is I got so many done before I started using numbing cream, so now I'm allowing myself to do yeah. it. <laughs> that's how I you feel. Know, like I got I, both my arms done with nothing, so that's it now. Yeah, so done full sleeves chest the start of my well i've got like rows of writing and i've got all them done without it i've got like two bits done with it back of my neck weren't numbed and that was awful uh palm of my hand weren't numbed and then like all my legs none of that were numbed so now just little bits that i've added to i, I use it now because i feel i'm not <laughs> <laughs> so and i'm getting your neck weak as well. oh yeah awful so like right down middle it, it's like absolutely fine you can barely feel it but just where the muscles are that go up the sides of your neck as yeah. soon as it passes them just not to 50 like oh, it's wow. ridiculous proper big change and it, it i mean i think i did drill mine a bit because it scabbed so bad like it was really big thick scabs and i could feel it crack when i moved my neck and stuff oh really so i think he really really drilled it in well, that's good to know because that's next for me. You've started one on one side of my shoulder and it's going to be the same pattern on the other side, but it's going to have something that joins them up at the back. Mm-hmm. You'll, be, you'll probably be all right with dot work because this was like proper thick, like saturated, yeah. deep, dark, old school stuff. So it really, really drilled it in, but dot work's a lot softer. Have you ever refused to do a tattoo? Apart from the obvious underage or drunk or what have you? Um... Has there been someone who's come to you with something and said, this is what I want, and you've thought, I, I, like on the face or anything like that? Yeah, I get, I get like a few lads that, you know, they'll be like 18, 19, sort of wanting the first ones, and they'll be ask, asking to start on the hand or the neck or the face or something. And yeah. I think half of it is, because um, one thing that I see amongst, like in the tattoo community is tattooists are proper entitled dickheads and they're assholes to people like those those screenshot conversations they're having with people so someone will message them saying oh i I want my first tattoo i'm wanting this on my neck and they'll reply like and why the fuck do you think that you deserve to have something on your neck you need to go through you need to have your sleeves done first and stuff like that i'm not doing it get a grip go somewhere else and i'm thinking why are you talking to them like that whereas me i'd be like that's a bit risky because of your age, because you don't know what you're going to end up wanting to do in future. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I say, like, I didn't touch my neck until I got 20, how old am I? 26 years old last year when I got it done. Um, and I said, I'd start out with something. 
in a different place so that you can get the idea of what the pain's going to be like, what it's like healing and stuff like that, and then something you can work on and eventually, you know, go on with. But um, and and then and then they come, then they book in, you know. Whereas I, I could have treated them like a prat, like these other artists do, and um, and then you're not making any money and you look like a dick. Because yeah. so it's, it's all about reputation. It's not just. It's not necessarily just about how good the work is that you do, but it's like a relationship with a tattoo artist is a really weird one because you don't necessarily see each other or speak to each other for like long, potentially long periods of time, but then you're stuck with them for up to and over three hours. Yeah, so you could be sat with them for a full day. So you go from this like nothing, no relationship to them being sort of in this really intimate sort of space. Mm. It's a strange invasive thing as well because, uh, like, you can sort of not know your artist, but then as soon as you sat in the chair and they're hurting you, yeah, it it, it definitely opens up a sort of uh, without sounding like really cliche and a bit Hollywood, but it does. It is a bond that's very different to other stuff. Like you could keep seeing the same person in a coffee shop every day mm. but like to be able to sit down and let someone hurt you for hours pay them for it and trust them enough that it's going to look good yeah. there's there is something else with that but yeah there's a lot of tattooists that are perhaps about it. I've, I've had someone uh, i've had some people ask for sort of tattoos that are just a bit distasteful you know that just you know it might be something that could be looked at as racist like it might even just been a joke amongst the mates that like to them yeah it's funny but yeah i've got to think about um some, someone wanted a stupid tattoo like caricature thing of hitler like doing something stupid i can't remember what it was and like i understood his joke and uh knew that it wasn't racist it was more of a joke uh, like at hitler right type of thing and then i was like uh but I've got to think if someone sees it and just sees it as first value, it's a tattoo of Hitler. Yeah. And then they go, oh, who did, who did that? Oh, EJ. All right, EJ's racist. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, stuff like that. And you've got to be careful with stuff like that. But there's not been a lot that I've refused. I think just some for uh, sort of personal reasons. The one that stuck out, um, a woman, she'd had uh, three miscarriages and two stillborns. Um, so she brought me all the dates, like in a list, and we're like, oh, "I want all these dates to, uh, you know, like remember them." Hmm. So she wanted them on her shoulder, and um, and I just said, "I'm not doing it." And she was like, "Oh, why?" And she was proper shocked. And I said, "Because every time someone sees it, they're going to ask what the dates are." Yeah. And she, she was just suddenly like, "Oh shit, yeah, actually." And I was like, "So every time someone looks at that, you're going to have to keep telling the story that you've gone through all this." Hmm. And I said, "If anything, you need to do something that's going to remember them." but it's going to be tasteful and sort of take it away from it. So I said to her, because um, uh, you, you can get like birthstones, birth flowers that represent certain months and stuff. So I did that and we just did this flowery piece on her back. And then for her, she knows what it is and each yeah. flower represents each child. But other people just go, oh, it's pretty tattoo. Mm. So like that's, that's one that I've refused. But yeah, there haven't been too many. Just, um, I suppose a lot of that though, that goes back to what you were just saying about personality. So it wasn't necessarily, a, I refuse to do this. I'll, you know, get out of my shop type thing. It mm. was more of a, and that's something that we've had lots of conversations about when I've come to you with my stuff and it's sort of, you know, uh, have you thought about this through? Is this the sort of thing? And um, like when 
when I wasn't planning on getting my hand done, but when you put the stencil on, because the stencil was sort of like this length, it went down my fingers and I was just sat there like, oh, I promised my mum I wouldn't get my hand or my neck done. So we stopped that one there and I was like, oh, let's just do it. Let's just start this and then work our way back up. But we have had quite a lot of conversations about sort of what what I want mine to look like and I've sort of left you sort of quite open to do what you think would look best. Like every time we've messed it, I'd like, whatever you think. This is your this is your field. You know, I'm I'm all right throwing ideas at you, but if it's and you have called me out on a few of them and said, Well <laughs> <laughs> if you look at it this way instead. <laughs> well that that is the thing as well. The more people should do that. Like you wouldn't like within the tattoo industry, you wouldn't get someone to come around and do like a plumbing job or something when you know not about plumbing and then say to them like, oh that pipe you know, maybe you should use a different pipe. And they know exactly what they're doing. But the thing is with tattoos, you get people that tend to, like, yes, I am doing a service for the client, but a lot of people that can be condescending and very, uh, you know, just sort of bossy. Yeah. And sort of being like, you're working for me, you do what I want. And it's like, and it's not working like that. It's like, yeah, you pay me to do something, but I know more than you do. So stop yeah. coming at me with certain things because you'll get people that they'll want like something like that big and they'll be like, I want a lion fighting a bear with a big tribal thing around. It needs to be stormy with lightning and then I want like three little pixies to represent my guinea pigs that I had as a kid. And, <laughs> you know, they'll just be tons. And, and, and like you'll say to them, like, that's too much to put into that area because you're not going to be able to tell what it is. And then over years, it's all going to smudge into each other and it's just going to look crap. And then they're like, but it's what I want. I'm like, yeah, but it's not going to look good. And they're like, but that's what I want. And I'm like, so you want a bad tattoo? And they're like, no, it'll look good. And, it, and it's <laughs> a big, long thing. And, you know, I, I've had a couple sort of like that where I'm like, like it's, that's too busy. I can't, I'm, I'm, I won't do that, but I'll do like a simplified version or we'll have to go bigger. And sometimes they'll say like, oh, yeah, I'll do a simplified one. Other times they'll go to another shop and then I'll end up saying it online and it'll, look exactly like I said it was gonna yeah it just looks like a train wreck <laughs> yeah. so what's the worst but, thing about being a tattoo artist um, people saying they want a tattoo and booking it and then not I've got a few friends who post quite often about being let down either on the day or I mean yeah that that is annoying but it's sort of part of the territory because I think a lot of people complain about their jobs when they know what they were getting into so like that yeah. comes with it it's it's annoying when you've sort of like set up and you know it might be something you're really geared for doing i think it's when people lie that's the uh that's the annoying thing like if if someone like they'll, i've had some, someone message me once like the day before the tattoo and they were like um oh i can't come in uh my best mate's cousin's grandma's died and i and i was like i'm thinking oh, what's that got to do with you and I think she felt the need to support her best friend because her best friend's cousin was going through something. And it was, it could have been true. I didn't think it were true. Mm. And then, you know, people that are like, oh, I've been called into work last minute. And, like, I know that their jobs are nine to five and they'll have messaged yeah. me at half three in the morning. And then they'll put a lot of them out in Leeds. And, uh, <laughs> like, one guy once messaged me and was like, uh, I've sent you another deposit. We'll start out another day. I'm not coming in because I'm aggressively hungover. And I was just like, cool, fine. <laughs> just like, 
you said what were happening, you owned up to it, yeah. you sent another deposit because you knew where you'd, what you know where it fucked up, and um, and then I was like, yeah, not bothered. But I think um, I think the annoying thing about tattooing is um, so other people's clients will sometimes clients try to stir stuff a lot, like um, I've had people sort of come to my shop, so a guy local. A, Tattooist local to me in Eden, a guy called Rob. Like where mates will get along, and um, sometimes people will have a tattoo from him or something, and they'll like say to me like, "What do you think of Rob?" And they're like trying to, you know, get on like a bitchy yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. And then um, report back to him. I don't know whether it's to report back or for, or they sort of feel that that's what tattooists do and let's have a, like a bit yeah, of a yeah. bonding session slagging someone off and when I'm like oh yeah no he's a good guy good artist sometimes like oh oh, oh, oh all right oh okay okay, okay. <laughs> and I'm just like <laughs> it's 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 weird but then you'll get other people um, you know like they swear so much by their tattooist that they will tell other people that a tattooist they've never met is crap yeah and and like just the bitchiness in it i went to a, a coffee shop and uh the barista noticed um like i had a couple of tattoos and stuff and they were like oh nice tattoos Where, where'd you get them done and like i think i just had that hand done and at the time uh i had that done in my own shop uh, by judd who worked uh with us there and um and i said oh i got it done at my shop i'm up at Rawdon and um anyway oh are you are you EJ and I was like yeah yeah I am he was like oh you work like me then and I was like I'm like hey what do you mean and like oh I go to blah 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 the shop and I was like oh so you know me by name even though we've never met because of stuff they've said about me yeah and it was just like it was like yeah 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 he's proper got it in for you like says says you crap and blah 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 and like, I won't say name at shop, but like that, that's just petty. I'm bearing in mind this guy's like over 40 years old and he's doing like playground stuff against me yeah. who were at the time like 22, 23 years old. And that's that's the really crap part about being a tattooist is it's just proper dog-eat-dog dog, and people don't want to help out. So I saw an artist on Instagram. It, um, so like we've, we've had it a couple of times with your tattoos. It's like if we need to move the stencil. And you got and you try and rub off the stencil, and it's just a mission sometimes. And um, he, he used like he was, I saw him putting on some stuff, and then he wiped it, and just like that, we're gone. And um, saw so, so a load of tattooists like, oh, what is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? And they were like, oh, I'm going to keep it a secret. It's like why? It's like other people owning that isn't going to make them better at tattooing than you. Yeah, it's not going to attract their cust- his customers away to other shops, is it? Yeah, it's like, oh, go to EJ, sick of taking stencils off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, rather be known for being good at putting tattoos on then uh, stencils on then removing them again quick. Well, yeah, and um, he ended up messaging me and we're like, he, he sent me a picture of it and we're like, but don't tell everyone. And I was like, yeah, yeah, well, so anyone that asked me, I was like, yeah, boss, go buy it. <laughs> you know, like, should be looking after each other tattoos, but they don't. And um, that's that's the hard part, because it should be about making art and everyone loving stuff. Yeah. You it's, know, everyone's got it in common. Every, so when I started doing spoken word about three years ago, there's only maybe two people in three years that I've ever had that feeling about where, it's sort of, it's more about them than it is for anybody else. And 
it sort of everything revolves to being their way of doing stuff regardless what mm. it is um and i just it's we're quite lucky in that sense that everyone's just dead supportive um and you just think if you're doing not that tattoos a niche but i think the amount of tattoo shops we've got is quite small um and to think that everyone's sort of fighting against each other it's like now life experience with funding every pot of money you've got all these organizations fighting to get some and it's like you're all trying to achieve the same thing why don't you have a group chat and say yeah. let's put something together and let's all get a bit of this but there's yeah. none of that everyone's sort of out for their own it's frustrating we were talking about this we've got um what was it 30 million donated to the nhs it was something ridiculous uh, right? that captain tom yeah yeah, you've, got, you've got people in situations where they don't know where, where the next wage is coming from or if they're going to be able to pay the bills in a few months, raising that much money. And it's absolutely amazing. And then in the same instance, a few months ago, you had people buying as much toilet roll as they could with no consideration for anybody else. Yeah, and they're all, all, all boys going into the shopping and couldn't yeah. like, buy all. This is it. Just two completely different contrasts of attitude. I think it's one of them things as well of um, people tend to care when it's, um, you know, pe people are good at sort of going like, oh, I'm part of that. Yeah. You know, like if, if, if you put something up about um, like the stuff that you do and like, oh, we just need a little bit more donations for this massive, brilliant thing. You might get like a few of your closest that will like send something, but other people will read it. But because some... Old old boy in a Zimmer frame that was in the war is doing laps of his garden and that's on the news. Yeah. You can be like, people are like, oh, I want to be part of this big thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's why people do it, I think. There was, it came up with my memories not that long ago and I posted, I mean, I contributed towards it, obviously. And in my memories, when I clicked the video, it had millions more views. But it was um, a sheep stuck in a tyre swing. And it was just like it'd swing and then it'd get to where it was. It'd try and stop itself and get out, but the motion of its legs made it swing more. And it just kept doing this. And do you know oh, what? It right. was it was funny to watch. I think at the time it had, had about five million views and now it's over ten. And my post was, I'm trying to do stuff about nice crime. I'll post a video that's gonna help kids, you know, watch this. This'll help parents look look out for things that you, your kids are doing. It's all this sort of information. Probably get about 10 shares, maybe a few hundred views. And then this mm. sheep in a tyre swing is getting sort of 50 million. It's for well, sure. yeah. I, I think it's, it's one of them, because I, I said this similarly to my mate the other day. Um, so, like, I, I'll do a tattoo and it'll take, you know, two hours prep and then like drawing, designing, stenciling, and then maybe six hours to do the tattoo. And I'll be like mega proud of it. I'll put it up, get a few likes, a few messages from a few people saying, yeah, that's it. But then if I put up a picture of my dog, everyone goes mental, they love it. And it's like for 100 likes, it's like, oh, it's so cute, a lot of comments, stuff like that. And I'm sort of sat like, oh, you know, why, 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 should, why should I bother? <laughs> but, but, but he very much said, um, it's more relatable to the masses when it's like an animal doing something stupid yeah. than it is um, to like your own thing. Cause let's say, cause I, I, I did a tattoo raffle thing um, at the start of this lockdown. And then I thought, right, a lot of people got involved. Um, 
managed to get like 360 quid or something. And then I thought, right, I'll do another where I don't profit at all. And I said, uh, donate at least a fiver to the charity um, and send a screenshot of, uh, you know, your confirmation of donation. And then all the names will get put into a pot and the winner will get announced. And I haven't announced the winner yet because, like you say, as soon as I did that, it's like, and no one bothered. Right. And it, it took about a week for like five or six people to do it. And like all I was saying was like, just give five pounds to a charity. Yeah. And then tell me you've done it. And, um, and I think there were some, someone even, someone tried to, like they donated something like two months ago and they tried to use that as a thing and I'm like, no. <laughs> like that, you know, and the turn around and being like, "Oh, I guess I'm at Donkey Sanctuary when I was a kid." So, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's it's cheeky. Your your dog and your cat, they should definitely have their own YouTube channel. <laughs> some of the stuff you post, mm-hmm. I think you must teach them to do some of that stuff. Like your well, dog what? is so smart. <laughs> Like One of my mates, he, he came around to it when we moved into this house. Um, my mate Matt, he, he, he's he got a band, so he came around to help me. And we were in my old flat and I were unscrewing something. And then I put the screwdriver down and I tried to do something. I turned around and I'm like, where the fuck's my screwdriver? And then just in the corner, the dog would just stood with it in his mouth just looking at me. And, and my mate Matt just went, I, I always thought this stuff was set up. And he's like, but now I've seen it firsthand. And he's like, this just happens, doesn't it? And I'm like, yeah, this is what I live with. And he, he, he thought as well that it was set up, but they're both just dickheads, man. It's brilliant. Like the videos of your cat just stood like meowing, just eyeballing you, just constantly meowing. And then yeah, the way yeah. the dog is, oh, they are the brilliant. They definitely should have their own sort of... <laughs> it does, it look, it do look like they're staged. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird now. They're both just idiots. It's ridiculous. See, Molly's just... She's she's useless in the sense that she's she's like a staffy, so she's meant to be hard. But then if you're walking past the garden, she'll be barking at you. If you open the gate and walk in, she throws herself on her back and she just wants you to rub her belly. And it's yeah. like you do really well up until that point. Um she don't she don't do paw. She again throws herself on her back and just puts all four of them up and like take your pick. Um, so she's just She's just nuts. She's 14 and she acts like she's a pup. She still oh, talks okay. about, like on the morning, she gets giddy at the top of the stairs and she'll go into like pounce, like play mode, you know, where the backside's up in there. Mm. And she'll be like watching you. And then she just throws herself and she misses the first couple of stairs. And then sort of <laughs> just runs behind her, like, what are you doing? Absolute knobhead. <laughs> yeah. My dog, he does, he does all, treats, uh, all tricks for treats, but uh, now he kind of knows the drill. So as soon as she says sit, he just starts break dancing, just doing all of it. <laughs> so he's like, well, I know that like once I get to the end, I'll get one. So he'll be like, sit. And he's just like, and he's like, fuck, <laughs> Jesus. I had him in park over there trying to get him to roll over for a stick, but uh, he, he, won't, he won't do a lot of tricks on laminate floor for some reason. Uh, I think it's just he don't feel safe on it. Hmm. So he, instead of doing roll over, he just started spinning. But now, like, that's confused him. So we were in a park over there, and I'm holding a stick, and I'm saying roll over, and he's literally spinning like that. What, like running around in a circle like he's chasing his tail? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've never taught him that. And he's going for it, and I thought, well, I'm not going to throw a stick because he hasn't done what I've asked. Yeah. So then he's going, and then he finally rolls over. I throw a stick, but it made himself that dizzy. He's like... <laughs> 
beat it up and fell over. <laughs> Idiot, man. But, but yeah, people, people will uh, gravitate to stuff like that. Easy, because it's more alertable. You haven't got only mug of tea, eh? You're not a real dog owner unless you've got a mug with your dog's on. I don't think I have a mug. I've got, um, I'll tell you what we did do. Because she's getting old and we know she's not going to be here forever, we, um, we've got a um, paw print, you know, mm. where you, you, the, the ink's on the opposite side so you don't get paw, ink on the feet and then run round the house. Um, yeah, yeah. You get four little cards. Trying to do them. She doesn't like her paws being touched. She hates it. When, yeah, when we play like, fighting, I just go to grab her feet and she's like, teeth her out and she's, she'll never bite, but she's like, she hates her feet being touched. Um, trying to do them paw prints. They, they, they look nothing like, do you know those abstract arts where they're like personality tests? Where the whole oh, thing is smudgy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what they look like. <laughs> that makes you think. So I, I got, I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, that yeah. So I, I did that uh, in the bedroom days. And um, so I'd, <laughs> it was quite gross actually. I sprayed my cat's foot with water yeah. and then made him stand on some stencil stuff and then put it on my arm and then just left him to go and do whatever. So <laughs> there were paw prints everywhere and then I tattooed it straight on. Realistically, I should have ended up with this. We probably made it start a coronavirus, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, the good old days of doing dodgy stuff. So I don't want to go into politics, but um, do you think if it gets relaxed, it's a good idea this weekend? Um, I think the idea of it, yeah, but English people will ruin it. Um, I think certain stuff could get away with being opened, and I think, I mean, I'm probably only thinking this because this is what I want. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But to be able to see, like, because I think if lockdown's been six weeks and you've got, so for me, for instance, I've, I've been in my house for six weeks, uh, just the odd bits of shopping or walking dog. Um, we know symptoms, so I think people who haven't had symptoms for that long who've been self-isolating should be allowed to see each other for yeah. like a little bit. You know, like I say I could have one or two of my mates around just to watch some fights on TV or something. Mm. Um, I think that would be good, but I think uh, everyone's going to take the piss with whatever they say. So if they say, like, oh, you can see two minutes, there will be house parties. Yeah, yeah. Because I, people I just think, don't yeah. take it seriously. As soon as there's any sort of level of relaxation around the rules, not that people are sticking to it 100% anyway, but it's just going to give everyone an opportunity to just go and do whatever they want and say, oh, we thought that this was this was allowed now. Like, we're, we're, we're terrible at stuff. Like, we're the worst at drinking, you know, teenage pregnancies, Drugs, like we we just mm. binge on everything. We overdo everything, you know. The whole I think a lot of it's panic buying, that sort of stuff. We just a lot of it's not strict enough as well. Like I, I remember when I was coming up, I remember sort of being scared of the police. You know, like yeah. you don't do stuff wrong around police. And now, like you know, you'll get like twelve-year-old kids like fucking throwing stuff at police now, and yeah, it yeah. does don't really do all. And like I think I was one of the last generations where you get a slap off your dad if you did something wrong. But now, like, you're not allowed to do that. And, not, you know, I'm not I think like... that's why it is. Because, like, we, we were saying, we were, we were more bothered about my mum finding out that we'd done something than getting caught. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was that sort of, the police were going to take me home and da da da. And it were, that was scary. But everyone's sort of, I know my rights. Everyone's a solicitor now. 
and they yeah. all know their rights and they all know that you can't do this and I can do this and I've got every right to do this. And I think mobile phones has had a big impact on that. Do you think yeah. back then there was no way, if, if you got a slap from a copper, how would you ever prove it? And if you did get a slap and they took you home and told your parents, you'd get a slap off them because you've done yeah, something to you in that situation. And it's that thing as well, it's like some people might disrespect, like, you know, like standard person to standard person. And back in the day, you'd get a whack for that. Yeah. But now if you do that, you're going to get arrested. And there's, there's all a weird thing around it. And I think people are just going to take the piss. I think if they lift any sort of restriction, it's going to get worse. Because me walking dog as well, um, when, I, when I first started walking him at the start of lockdown, and also lockdown, he didn't even say the words lockdown, he pussyfooted around it so that people could still take the piss. Um, they were like, I'd see one car on the street yeah. and then I'd, like, because I've, I've got a springer, he needs like a bit of a decent walk and because I've been bored, I've been walking for like 10, 15k a day. And um, I'd be in the middle of nowhere and I'd bump into like maybe one or two dog walkers who also had like energetic dogs. And then I did the same walk the other day and I must have walked past, like with no exaggeration, I must have walked past a hundred people. Oh, wow. Because people are just starting to take the piss now. And the, the roads are like ridiculous. It took me like two or three minutes to cross a road the other day. And like, I know that sounds like I'm being really dramatic, but when the country's supposed to be locked down, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I should be able to walk in the middle of the road. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think the panic now is uh, mental health. So they're saying there's a lot of people struggling with mental health and the potential long-term effects of that but for for me it's like it's like cpr you break someone's ribs in cpr you don't get done for assault or what have you because that person's dead so as long as you bring them back to life any damage you do is better than them being dead and with this we're sort of like yes mental health is massive and mental health is important but the, the alternate to, men, to potential long-term mental health is death. You know, if we're, if, we're, if we're in lockdown because of how deadly this virus is, surely that should be the most important thing than finance, you know, getting people back to work. It is terrible what's going on, but we've never been in this situation before. And like I say, we, we either go out and spend time with people that we shouldn't be spending time with. And I, I genuinely think that if we, if we relax a lockdown now, then we're going to miss Christmas because it's going to get worse and then we're going to be yeah, in lockdown again and then we're, we're all going to be in lockdown over Christmas. So mm. rather than people just sort of giving it the few weeks or even the couple of months, like even if we stayed locked down until September when schools go back, at least that's more likely to guarantee us the end of, like the longer we leave it, the more, the higher the percentage of us not having a, another lockdown is basically. I think it's thing as well as people, um, like, I, re I really find people always want to play the victim all the time. And uh, ev everyone is having to go through this. And I'm not saying that, like, certain things should be disregarded, but people need to realise everyone's in the same boat. Like, I, I, I struggle with mental health problems myself. And I've had a couple of days in this lockdown that have been, like, really dark for me. Um, but everyone's in this yeah and i know why i'm going through it and yeah i get a little bit wonkier there and then i think right well i'll have some drinks so i've had the odd day where i've sort of boozed a bit too much to sort of try and get through it which isn't the right thing to do but that's sort of what i'm doing at this time and um but everyone's going through it 
So I think it's when people are like, I need to get back to work. It's like, so do I. <laughs> so, so does every man on the street. Like, yeah. shut up. Yeah, it's going to be depressing to see when things do start to open, which businesses don't open again. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of that. And I think that's, going to be a that's, that's really upsetting. And one thing I'm personally doing to try and uh, help with that is I'm going like full independent after this. So like butchers for my food, um, yeah. markets for veg. And then that way, you know, because you're not walking past a lot of chocolate as well. So I'll probably stop being so fat. <laughs> and um <laughs> You know, like only Morrison's for, or like even if I can get to like just a little off license or something, but for you know, for like toilet roll, toothpaste, stuff like that, uh, and just try and put money in the pockets of independent people. Yeah. And the stuff's always better anyway. Like, I get eggs from this woman that's got a trailer up road that comes from a farm, and it's it's the tiny, tiniest bit more expensive than Morrison's, but the taste's 10 times better. Yeah. And I think everyone should just be helping uh, the independent people anyway. I, I try to do that as much as I can. Like we, I get my contact lenses from a family-run opticians just up the road, and they went through a stage where there was always closed. I don't know if it was staffing problems, but they have a shop in Beeston and a shop in Murfield, mm. and it was sort of I could get them delivered to my house cheaper. I don't have to go mm. out; they'll get delivered here. I don't have to worry about anything. They'll just keep sending them every two weeks, no problem but I've stuck with them and a few times I've had to go to Murfield to pick them up. But to on, what day are we on now? Sunday. So on Friday, I rung and just sort of said, I need, I need to get some contact lenses. I've only got two days left. So the guy drove from Murfield to Beeston, opened the shop. I mean, it was dodgy. I had to go around back. He didn't open like the shop. He opened the back door. I've never bought contact lenses at the back of a shop before. <laughs> but he did that. You know, he came all the way over just to, just to get me two bo- 30 quid's worth of contact lenses. They came over. Mm-hmm. So it's important to keep sort of supporting that sort of stuff, I think. Uh, you mentioned your mates coming around for a fight. Is that MMA? Mm. Is that something you, you get them together and watch usually? Yeah, yes. Yeah, because the were, UFC were on uh, last night because they've managed to do everything they can to sort of swerve around the COVID things. But they're still but having fights. Yeah, they managed to um, get past, I think it were in uh, Orlando, their athletic commission allowed them to do it, and wow. like no no crowds are all, yeah. um, and just proper limited staff, but um, one of the fights got pulled like the day before because uh, one of them tested positive for COVID. One of the fighters <laughs> or one of the team? One of the fighters and both of his cornermen, and um I mean, I, I like fighting, like martial arts and stuff, uh, but I, I think it were a little bit stupid of them to do it, to be honest. I was thinking a little bit too much about the money than sort of saving. Well, Formula One, they turned up in Australia, uh, ready to race, first race at season. And I, I love Formula One. And I know that it's people, it's just cars going around the track, but when you get into it, it's like fighting. You, you Because you train and you... You, you're into um, MMA, you'll watch a fight in a different way to somebody who just does the pay-per-views once or twice a year. Yeah. But, you, yeah. Know the, you know the internet experts who jump on and give their... Yeah, and like, oh, they should have done fight. that instead. <laughs> like with that one, like, well, they should have taken that corner better. Yeah. Like, oh, all right. Yeah. So it's, it's like that. And they, they all turned up and then one of the pit crew 
tested positive. So they've just it's just been cancelled ever since. Um, so they're looking mm. at closed races. But again, some of the teams, massive team like McLaren, who's been in it for almost since the beginning, um, they could potentially be going out because a lot of their income comes from ticket sales. So they right. get, they get a percentage of the ticket sales from every race as part of their contract. And that's mm. how they sort of stay competitive. So, I mean, they'll never, they'll never they might not come back. No, well, it might, it might be that um, somebody has to invest in them and buy Jeez. them out. I know. That's bad as that. Yeah. But um, there's, there were, Joe Rogan was talking about um, a list. I think, I think it was in LA of things you're allowed to do. Um, no. There were things like um, volleyball and um, baseball, like throwing throwing a ball between two people, not obviously an actual game of baseball. So, like, me and you could go to a park and throw a baseball. Right. He's sort of saying, if my skin touches that ball and I throw it to you and your skin touches that ball, that's just the same as a handshake. Yeah. Same with volleyball. There was... Um, I'm was, sure it can live on surfaces for like uh, five to nine days. Yeah. Um, and it uses moisture to sort of live. So like if there's something on side and then your skin makes it not dry anymore and then it's on, it's on your skin. So yeah. any, anything with contact. Like, like volleyball, you could literally just slap it like COVID hand straight at you and as soon as you <laughs> touch it, you've had it. Sounds like a finishing move on Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <Yeah>. COVID ball. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh god. So when when you you mentioned mental health, so that's mm. sort of your experience over, over this, but what about just in general? Like if we're not in lockdown? Um what my own? Yeah. Um yeah, it's sort of a bit up and down um like i guess a lot of people have um sort of like the anxiety part and then just random lulls of just sort of you know just being completely miserable yeah. uh, and sort of try to find ways to get through that but i find a lot of creative types can be like that like I, I could feel every emotion from waking up till like to dinner time and it's only been like a couple of hours go away man <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it can be a struggle. I think for me, a lot of it's sort of keeping occupied and uh, sort of being true to myself about um, sort of general health. Like, I sort of go by the consume shit, feel shit thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and try to, I try to make sure I take in sort of decent, just like energies from everything. So, like, don't watch stuff that's just depressing, don't. Uh, you know, I don't just sit and listen to miserable music constantly and st stuff like that. You know, like past your emo stage, is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days. No, I have more of a goth, man. Oh, were you? Yeah. One, one, yeah. Of the, one of the girls I know, she wanted to come on and talk about um, how exercise is one of the least prescribed things for mental health. It is 100% and like I, I found, in fact a status came up on my memories on Facebook of a day where um, I just discovered jiu-jitsu um, like three or four years ago and uh, I just, like, it just consumed my life. It was just like, bosh, this is what I do, this is what I'm doing and I went from 
sort of basically being an alcoholic, depressive, just waste of space. And then started jujitsu, started to feel brilliant, started to get stronger. Obviously, you can't do it when you're hungover, so it made me not want to drink. And then you're at the gym in the evening, so I stopped boozing as much. And I felt brilliant, and it was like health is wealth type of thing. And um, yeah, it were incredible. And you, there's a lot of jujitsu players and stuff that have come from really dodgy places, like yeah. some that have like been in prison for nasty stuff, some people that need an outlet because they've been... Like, I, there's quite a few army boys in jujitsu. And what do you think um, it is? Do you think it's the control element? So it's sort of like con- getting your anger out, but in a controlled way. Yeah, I think it could be that. But I think it's also a thing of um, your gym being a team. So like you're part of something. Right. And right. I think that, that's validating for anyone. And um, I, I, I always say that like getting out and doing exercise like does so much for your mental health. Like I once, it wasn't so long ago, I had like a bit of a mental blip, um, as I call it, uh, and I, I, I were at home and I was just about to open a beer and my wife noticed that, like, you know, she can tell my mood. And she was like, oh, I'll go to the gym instead. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not up for it. And I think there was something wrong with my car and I thought, like, it probably wouldn't make it to the gym. It's an old banger. And, um, and I was like, I don't think the car will make it. I'm not in mood, can't be bothered. And she just went upstairs, put my gear and stuff in the gym bag, came down and like, right, come on. And she took me and she sat in the gym just played on a phone and sort of watched me uh, sparring a bit. And and then I went and just like proper went for it. And I tr- tried to have a few fights with a few of the higher level people just so I knew I was going to get like beaten. Yeah. And, you know, I had to work really hard. And I came out of it and just felt incredible. Yeah. And then like we got into the car and I was just like, cheers for that. Like she knew that that was going to make it all better. And I yeah. thought like, now this beer will sort it out. And um yeah, more people need to do it. And I, I know lots of people that are like yoga people um, and they're obsessed with it and they've all had their own issues with like mental health and that that cures it for them. And, well, not cures it, but at least... Uh, yeah, suppresses it for... It seems for yeah. me, I, I... Like, if I'm, if I'm in a relationship that ends, like, I can either be really upset about it and mope about and not get much done. Or what I tend to do is I tend to make myself really busy. So mm-hmm. I don't have time to think about it. And then if however long it takes for me to not think about that relationship is how long I keep myself busy for. So I never go mm-hmm. through that sort of, but then it's not like once in a few months down the line when I'm not busy anymore, I start thinking, Oh, I need to do this. And do it. it's just, it's not, it's it's out of my thought process, if that makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes it's a couple of weeks. Sometimes it's a lot longer. Um, sort of the the place I'm at now, me and um, Chantel broke up. Um, All right. And it's just sort of it, it. When at start of March, when I couldn't walk and stuff, it was horrible. Um, sort of been laid up and having sort of everything going on in my head. But then, mm. when this project came up, and I knew I could be busy. So I've been out sort of making these packs. We're doing these 700 activity packs for kids in local community and stuff. And it's just, it just came at the right time, you know, just to sort of keep me focused on something. But then I'm really, I was talking to somebody about my YouTube channel from before. So I used to make my own videos and I used to be in such a rush to do it. I'd, I'd memorize a spoken word piece and then I'd want to get it on this YouTube channel and some of the videos, when I look back, I just think, oh, gosh, I probably should have took a bit more time with that. Um, 
but I've been the same with this podcasting and I was just sort of like, I need, like yesterday I wanted the, something to go along with an image just because I was downloading the first video. So I needed something at the start and I was in such a rush to do it and I just thought I'm going back to that thing where because I'm trying to keep my head busy, I'm obsessing over little things. That, yeah, yeah. It's that easy to do. Yeah. I think the thing is as well, whenever there's something that sort of goes that sort of affects you negatively in life, like whether it be a breakup or whether it be like, you know, you look back at them videos and thought, oh God, all of it's learning. And I think being wrong, being let down, being, uh, you know, just fucking up, mm. all of that is important, I think. And a lot of people probably look at it as like, oh, oh no, me, me, like <laughs> type of thing. But <laughs> being wrong is one of the best places to be because then you learn. Yeah. I so used to self-sabotage if things were going well. Like I'd always, mainly in relationships, like when I was, when I was using, so before, like over, I don't know, I looked at my watch, like it was a certain time. Um, <laughs> but like anything from te- seven years backwards, like things would be going well or they'd come to my house and meet my mum and my mum would really like them and i just think, oh. <laughs> yeah it's and not working I'd make, I'd make issues or problems or just you know just it, it's weird like I'd always I think and because I was in that self-pity thing where oh everything always goes wrong for me I wish I'd get a break and then I get a break I'm like oh shit what do I do now <laughs> um, quick make it go wrong <laughs> yeah. so I just panic and do so much stupid to make it all all sort of fall down and then say see I told you it always goes wrong for me it's it's a com it's it's like a, a comfort thing for um I think that your mind does it where it's like oh well I know you, you know I've had stuff go wrong and people like you know you dwell on the bad things so you just wait for the next thing to go wrong so sometimes it's more comfortable to be in a fucking up thing than it is to be happy like some sometimes people say to me they'll be like oh you're right and like my mind goes find something wrong yeah yeah. And then I'm like, no, yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah. And um, like, I know people, there's someone I know, and every single time you ask them how they are, they will never say good, ever. Right. And Is that for attention or for honesty? I think a little bit of both. But um, I always go by a thing of like, are you doing something to make it better? If you're not, then I don't care type of thing yes one thing like, i didn't talk about on the first podcast was because it was around addiction and recovery and i know that people in recovery are going to see that because the idea of doing that one was to share it in some recovery facebook pages i'm not going to be doing that with this but i so i stopped going to na meetings and then every now and then I, I, so basically i've always been in recovery and i've not relapsed from the day i said i'm never going to drink or take drugs again so that's that's a real thing, but when I'm going to meetings, NA meetings are very much about how much of a knobhead you used to be, and you get reminded of it all the time. And when I started doing the life experience stuff, I'm going into schools and I'm I'm telling my story. I'm around other people telling their story, so it's a constant reminder. And I just sort of thought I'm just I'm doubling up on this sort of stuff, so I just backed off a bit. And I'd go to a meeting, and I used to get home leaves in 2014. So there were people at meetings in 2014 and I'll see them in a meeting now this year or like the back end of last year where if someone new comes and I take them to a meeting 
and they're just sat saying the same shit like five years and it's the same issues and the same problems and I just think do you know what it's not working for you you need to you need to look for something different or you know mm. try something new because you, you you're not happy you're miserable and this is five years later and it's still yeah exactly right. need, need, need to change it or p- people do need to uh like I, I think everyone has a thing of like the ideal thing of someone appearing in their life and just making everything better yeah. And I, th- I think that'll partly be why a lot of relationships fall through as well, because they're just expecting their other half to be like their saving grace. But you've got to do stuff for yourself. Like I've I've been with my last for ten years, coming September. Wow. And um the start the start What are you now? Twenty seven? Uh yeah, twenty seven now. Twenty seven now. Right. So got together quite young. Um Wait a minute. And- How old is she? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 20, 29? Oh, I'm just making sure she wasn't too young when you first met, that's all. <laughs> no, she's older than me. Um, yeah, and there was stuff like, when I was young, when I was like 18, I thought I was the shit. I was like, I'm 18 now. I'm a man. Yeah. I'm a do what I want. So like, I was just, you know, like partying all the time, boozing loads and just hanging out with people that weren't good for me and just getting into shit and sort of mental health were a little bit dodgy then and I didn't do all about it. And then I think, you know, that made me and her argue a bit and then I started to sort of think about it a bit through being told by a few people and uh, it's like, all right, I need to do something about it. So like I've had, you know, every now and then I, I like to touch base and, have like a sort of stint of counselling or therapy mm. um, because like I started again about like just before COVID I'd done like three or four sessions and um, and I think like a few of my mates found out that I was going back so they're like concerned and they're like oh, are you alright and I'm like yeah I'm, like, I'm feeling like pretty good but I think uh, you know like people save money for when it goes bad yeah. people will like buy you know, even if it's something as stupid as like a, a coat for when the weather's bad. But I find with mental health, people don't like pre-prepare. Yeah. So for me, touching base every now and then, there might be something that like the reason I'm getting wound up in the morning could be something that therapist will get out and then I'll be like, all right, cool. And I'm, you know, then I'm buzzing and it's done with. Um, so I, I think it is important to sort of think of stuff like that as well. And, touch base with yourself properly and do stuff that's going to help you instead of just like everyone's got stuff everyone's got problems and stuff mm-hmm. like that like one thing that i always say about you when i'm talking to my mates and stuff is if i explained your past and then they met you they thought i were lying yeah you know because you're nice you're bubbly you're not a dick you're not a victim yeah you, you know that type of thing and like you've got stories and like you, you know you, you've you've seen and done some stuff that a lot of people won't be able to get through but you're not just curled up like ah me (laughs) i think that's because my past is positive even though it's a negative at the time um so when i came home from prison in 2014 my first job was with lead city council and when i had my interview they did the basic interview Give me an example of a time when you've worked as part of a team. So it was sort of, well, when I was in HMP Wheelston, I worked in education. I did this, this, and this. Give me a time where you've gone out of your way to help someone. Well, when I was in HMP Kirkham, on my application form, it said I'd been to prison. 
if I don't talk about it, or if I've still got shame, if that prison experience didn't change my the way my life was before I went, it would be a negative and I would be shying away from it. But mm. I went from spending four, three to four hundred pounds a day on drugs and using from waking up to going back to bed to nothing, to absolutely nothing, coming out with a year and a half clean time through prison. Mm. So it's the best thing that could have happened, you know, and it's it's a massive positive. My, my, the, literally, the company I, I run now is because of those 10 years. So even though at the time it was a horrible 10 years, it's the best thing that could have happened. We, we spoke about this last time and it was sort of, you know, my life would have been crap. I would have had a really good job and a really sort of nice house and nice car, but I would have had no experiences to talk about. I would have had nothing to come on a video and say, this is this is stuff that I've been through. I would never have gone to a school and said, you know, my name's Phil and this is my story. Because it would have just been, I get up every morning and I put my suit on and I go to work and I come home and I have something to eat and I go to bed. Yeah, the idea of that terrifies me. Yeah, so it's it's weird out. A lot of the a lot of the most interesting people I've ever met have <laughs> all have all been through some hectic stuff, and it's sort of that appreciation of life. I think afterwards, it's character building as well, but it's also like how how you personally look at it because so, someone else could have been like, "Why did no one come and help me when I was doing drugs?" Yeah. yeah. Why Why did no one? do this and why why did no one do that but you went ah fucked up yeah and then changed it and i think that's the thing people don't want to learn people don't want to change and um and that's where it becomes a problem so uh, you know people are too too much of victims like one of my mates he said he's drinking a bit too much through this covid thing so he stopped and he hasn't had a drink for a week and he said like oh once it comes to the weekend you know i'll have a couple but instead of like boozing every day, it's like, well, good. You, you are making the change for yourself then. Yeah. You there's, there's people who say the problems out loud in sort of hope that somebody else comes to them with a solution. And then there's people who just think, oh, shit, this is a problem. I need to do something about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it took, it took me a while to get there. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that I've always had this mentality. When I was younger, I was very much like people that are just like ah oh, me type of thing um i think we've all had stages of our lives when like usually when loads of things start to go wrong and you just think it's just always me i think we've always all of us have said that at some point how is it mm-hmm. always me or if there was uh if i had any look at oh some what's the thing about no look at or there's a saying in there about not sure. if i had any look at all it'd be bad luck or something along those lines no, and everyone sort of goes along the same same path at some point where everything just feels like it's going to shit. Mm-hmm. But also we need we need them to learn as well. Yeah. Yeah, it has. It's massively helped me. So the fighting, the fighting sort of, is that something you're still doing? Uh, yeah, not so, you not your so ankle, much. didn't you? Yeah, I got in an injury. Uh, so... <laughs> I'd started at this new gym. I've been there about a month and uh, did like a two-hour kickboxing session and I had like proper jelly legs at the end of it. And uh, it's like top floor of a warehouse in Bradford. So I'm walking down these stairs and my legs are just wobbling everywhere and I just misjudged a step and landed on the side of my foot and just basically blew every ligament in my ankle. And uh, I heard, just, I heard just it. just been training how long? 
How long was the two, session? Two hours. Two hours throwing other men about, wrestling, grappling, I'm guessing ankle Picking, locks. punching, everything. Yeah. And then, and then on the steps on your way out. But the thing is, I haven't left the building yet, so I can still say I did it at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, I was training last night and I did, did my ankle at the gym. And I'm not lying there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I heard it pop literally like a balloon. I've heard stories of people saying you can hear ligaments break. Yeah. And, um, and I was thinking, surely not. And yeah, as soon as I heard like a pop, or like, that's what people say. That was my ligament. Yeah. And I were on floor together, all, yeah. all heaped up like, and I was like, right, it can't be that bad stand up. So I stood, stood up, put all my weight on it and just fell again. And I'm just like, oh no, I've done something here. And uh, a guy coming downstairs opened up my shoe and it was just like, just looked like a, like my ankle was like a calzone. <laughs> <laughs> just like weird colours and just massive. And I was like, oh no. Oh God. Yeah, yeah I jumped that- off a motorbike when I was 18. And the idea was to sort of, pop off the back of the bike. I was on my way to a football match that I was late for, so I had boots, all kit on, and all lads were on pitch waiting. So the idea was to pop off and just be like, ta-da! <laughs> um, and the bike were going faster than I thought it was, and as soon as I landed, my knee just twisted and the noise, like that just swollen up straight away. Yeah. Anytime I'm watching rugby or football, mainly rugby, and they're in a tackle and you can see the leg sort of either bend the other way or a little bit. You know when it just sort of like goes, whoop, that won't ride. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just, I get that fit. It makes my head go like this and I can yeah, hear right. the noise and it sort of I know exactly what goes mean. right through my teeth. It's awesome. Yeah, I have it with, uh, so in, in jiu-jitsu, there's a, a move called um, a toe hold. So it's, it's sort of hard to explain, but you basically end up um, like your little your little finger goes against like over the top of the foot, yeah. And then the way your wrists are, it basically constricts the ankle, and then you pull, and it basically does what I did to myself. So you can just snap people's feet with it. Oh. And um, once I sort of come back and had rehab on it, and sort of did my best to look after it, uh, like I just said, like don't do up to that foot, like it's been injured and stuff. Um, but the person I was with were like really well, like they were experienced. So what they were doing is they were getting to a submission, sort of like holding it as if like, oh yeah, I could do this now. Yeah, and yeah. then just letting go and moving to the next thing. And it, it literally it grabbed my foot, didn't do well, didn't hurt me. But just the thought, I was like, as soon as he touched it, I was like, nah. <laughs> that was terrifying. It, t- it took me, so that was January last year. So I think I've only been able to kick full power again for four months now, I think. Right. Because it was that bad. Are you wanting to compete or do you not think you'll be able to do that now? Yeah, I'm going to be able to. I was supposed to, what month is it now? Wait, are we in May? <laughs> are we in May? I don't, is it still March or did we do March. April? I think we've done April, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah we've, we've done probably it. May. So I think we're in May. Yeah, we're in May. <laughs> I, was, I was supposed to, there were two fights that I was going to sign up for in April, um, but obviously all this happened, so all fights got cancelled, so, um, and I've not been in best of shape in COVID, so I'm going to have to try oh, and get so you back feel on. like your body was ready to fight in April? Yeah, and that was plan, I was going to do, a, I was going to have a Muay Thai fight, and um, a Jiu-Jitsu fight, like this tournament, and I think it would be held in France or something, um, but once all this is dropped, 
get back to it and have a couple of scraps. Yeah. Well, I need to book him for my um, my seventh line in August. Depending. You no, know, that's come around first. Yeah, I know. Um, I can't remember what we did that last one with. What else I was getting done at the time. Um, but yeah, we need to do some more on that, and then we'll do my seventh line again. Obviously, yeah. depending. Well, hopefully we'll be able to go back. A lot of tattoos are speculating that it's going to be like 10th of August that we're allowed back. Oh, really? Where, where's, where are they getting that number from, though? I don't know. Is so I'm not really holding it. I, I think they're just sort of going off... Uh, it might be like going off what other countries have done or something. But um, I think Burjo's doing a talk today and so something's going to be said there. So. I, I think tattooing should be allowed. I, I, you know, I was going to ask you what your opinion on that would be because if you if you were sat in a mask with the person in a mask, as long as you sort of, I don't know what you call it, like the the proper like ninety nine percent spray, the antibacterial stuff. Mm. If you did that to all like from your elbow down and whatever area you're doing on them. You know, the, the thing is, like tattooing, we're we're like we're trained in cross contaminating stuff like that. Like apart yeah. from like. You know, you've got like hospitals, doctors, surgeries, uh, dentists, stuff like that. After that, tattoo shops are like the next one, right. if, if not on par. And, um, you know, we, we wear gloves, we can be wearing the masks, everything's wrapped, everything's disposable, it gets thrown away. And if it's not disposable, it's autoclaved. You know, we've got to have one of them by law. So right. you, we, we could literally like tattoo someone who's got every bloodborne disease going. And that will either be discarded or sterilised to a point where it's fit to work again. Mm. So I, I think, I mean, I know that this is, um, like, it's not bloodborne, uh, it's COVID, but uh, it is through like, respiratory situations. But if we had masks and had strict rules, I mean, our studio's private anyway. Like, you don't just get people just walking in uh, unless they're coming to book in. But, um yeah, I think you should be able to wear masks. I've had no symptoms for a few weeks. Check the temperature on way in, and then it should be fine. I I think, but again, a lot of it's other people spoiling it. Yeah. So like some um, a tattooist might because I think there's been quite a few tattooists uh, working on the sly uh, just to get a bit of money, and it's people like that that ruin it. So if they said yeah, tattooists can, there'll be some that'll be like, oh, flash day, everyone come down, it's cheap, and then there'll be 20 people in shop. Yeah, 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 this is it. The, um, there's people who are doing sort of TV, like maybe, I don't know if they do it in England, but in America, if they're doing sort of like chat shows. Like if you look at um, Phil and Holly, they arrive at work and they keep them two metres apart where, wherever they're on camera. You don't know what they're doing, like in the green room or whatever happens off camera, but while they're on camera, everyone's two metres apart. I don't know if you can have the same with sort of sound and cameramen, don't they? they need to be pretty close together and stuff. But um, there's, there's studios in America where they're still bringing people in for interviews and stuff, but they're testing on the door as they arrive and then they decide whether they let them in or not. Yeah, well, they should, they, they, they should be doing, and um, I, I think a lot of stuff should be able, like, realistically should go back, but it's, yeah, like I said, people are, like, people ruining it for everyone else. Yeah. And it's like, in the hospitals and stuff, they're, you know, they're not man managing to keep the two metres on, they're looking after people anyway, but I think certain stuff like, yeah, like, bars, concert venues... Yeah, that's that's going to be one at last. 
because um, that's just cross-contamination all over and you can't get that yeah. close to each other and stuff. So, like, yeah, I understand stuff like that, but I think, uh, I think like, small cafes, if they're limited to seating or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, and, um, yeah like if you we, removed every other table in a cafe. Yeah, and then, like, the staff wearing masks and everything being cleaned down because like food you're allowed stuff like that and i think if everyone's honest and honest about like whether they've had, had symptoms and stuff like that then in theory but also i'm not a scientist but i think some stuff should be allowed to open and tattoo shops nail places i think hairdressers as well should be allowed like my barber before he got forced to shut they were all wearing masks and wearing gloves mm. you know and they have to legally use that barbicide stuff and they have stuff that gets sterilised and stuff like that. So I think stuff like that should be should be lifted, but it's people having street parties and stuff that's spoiling it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll have to see what he says today. I Genuinely, that's one of the jobs I would, I would hate. Is, um, there's a local councillor, and a couple of years ago, we did some work together, and he was like, have you ever thought about coming into politics? And I was just like... No, because if I'm, let's say I'm an elected member and I'm sort of for, for the Beeston ward and I'm up in Beeston doing something in a primary school or planting trees or whatever it is, and then someone's messaging me saying, oh, we've got so-and-so wrong with our wheelie bins. It's like, you think I give a shit about your wheelie bins? <laughs> Seriously, on the, grill, on the big grand scheme of things, do you think your wheelie bins are really high up on my list? I was like, I'm not really sort of politically correct enough to not care about pointless shit. Yeah, I won't be able to do it. Uh, thing yeah. is as well, one thing like I'm I I'm not a Tory like at all. But um I think especially at the start I thought Boris did quite well and his team and stuff. But people also need to remember that like every time he says something, everyone goes, Oh like that came from Boris. Like, there's loads of people behind the scenes writing his yeah, stuff for him. One, one, one of my mates works for the government and he, like, writes stuff for him he's to be saying. Yeah. And uh, so, like, you can't just completely slam him and we weren't ready for this. Like, yeah, arguably, well, definitely we should have had a lockdown a lot sooner and be a lot stricter. But, you know, the stuff that he's coming out with is trying to, trying to do something. But it's, again, that thing of, especially, like, that job, you're not going to be able to please everyone. Yeah, it will never work. Unless I, I was going to ask you this, but like his decision affects the whole of the country. Like, not his team. So he he announces something, and then the whole of the country is affected by that. One of the mm. things I was going to ask you about tattooing is: does it ever put you off or make you nervous thinking that your your permanently this your finished product is permanent? Like doing like an eraser where you can rub a line out that's gone a little bit wrong and then redo it like a sketch drawing. Right. Do you, uh, ever, do you ever think like that, like this is this is forever, or do you just get to a point where you've, you've, you're doing that well that you know it's going to be good and you don't have to worry about that? Yeah, I definitely used to feel like that, but um, now, it, now it's very much like this. It's, it's my job and I've sort of, you know, I've got a reputation, I've got people that come back. Some people say I'm crap, but I've got a bunch of people that are, you know, they've been following me for years and getting tattooed by me. So I think as long as I've got complete trust in someone, then I've got complete trust in myself. Yeah. So stuff like that don't really bother me anymore. Definitely used to. 
Brilliant. But, and the th thing is with stuff, because sometimes stuff does go wrong because people move or something. I remember do doing a line on a guy on his arm and he wanted to get a better look at it. So while the needle was in the arm, he pulled his skin over. So I can imagine just slowly drawing a, a line on a piece of paper and someone just moving it. So like, I was doing this line and it went across and I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, why'd you do that? And I'm like, what are you on about? I was like, you've just moved your skin that I was holding a needle in. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, can you fix it? I'm like, oh yeah, luckily I can. And like you ended up, you know, you wouldn't have been able to see where it went wrong. But the, the only other problem is uh, people will say that it's the tattooist's fault. Like, I've, I've had people like jump and then like something might have changed how it was originally planned and then been like, oh, you did that. It's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that gets annoying. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, it's been really good talking to you. Um, if we do do something in a studio, genuinely, I think it'd be good to sort of get you involved in somewhere. Um, I was going to suggest um, upstairs in Rachel's empty bit, but she's using using it now, isn't she? Is that a tanning studio now next door to you? Uh, so there's the piercing bit, and then the other bit we're going to be used for storage for uh, the. Uh... What are they called? Sewing woman. Oh, right. I thought that was... No, that, that other room. Composers. For the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Ollie's a bit far out. We're going to look at some um, equipment so that we can be mobile and go to different places and sort of do some different stuff. All you need is the mics and then just get um, just get a backdrop sheet. Have, have you ever watched um, Hot Ones? So it's, um, it's a, a guy who he interviews celebrities. But as he interviews them, they eat hot wings that get hotter as it goes through. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but what, what they'll do is, because obviously they can't get celebrities to just keep going to them, so they literally just have a massive black sheet and just a table and two chairs, and that's it. So they can pop oh, it up anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So if you just get a massive backdrop sheet, then it'll look like you're in some the only, the only other thing is I only have a motorbike, so... Everything's got to everything's got to fit in one rucksack. <laughs> you might have to get a trailer. <laughs> get a trailer for bike. Yeah, we'll have to sort some out. But yeah, I am. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, the way the way that your mind works. Like like I said, there's only a few people I know. They all seem to be really creative. Where they they process information quick enough to be able to keep up with a conversation about anything. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many people I talk to that'll sort of say, "Oh, remember when you was on about." thingy a few minutes ago and it's like they've, they've just caught up and thought oh i need to ask that yeah yeah i mean so it'd be good to get a few people together who are sort of fast so i'm quite impressed with myself to be honest i thought we we're going to be constantly going uh, 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 uh. i'm going to watch it back and do an urn count that that should be a table that we do like an urn yeah. table <laughs> and each one you get a little score and see who does it the most yeah i like that <laughs> yeah. I think um, my mate's having a look at that little jingle as well for you. Yeah, so a lot of people have said that they like the um so that's literally just me singing into a voice changer and then choosing the squirrel. And then I realised that it's two completely different Craig David songs. Cause it's right, I I couldn't even work out what it was to be honest. So I didn't even know. There's the can you fill me in? Yeah. And after that it says let's talk about it. But before that, the uh oh, uh oh, that's from that um, Artful Dodger. Yeah, man, so it's that's two, 
that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know because yeah. when I looked it up on YouTube, I was like, "Oh, that's a completely different song." So, yeah. but yeah, I'm 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 happy if someone yeah. can make something proper. But like I say, I was just dead impatient, and I just wanted it. I just wanted it out there. So, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I do stuff like that with projects. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think he's going to have a little plink with it tonight. So if um, if it sends me, I'll send it through. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate well, it. And it's no problem. Thanks for having me. Cross for you getting open again soon. Mm, right, hopefully, I'm good when I get back. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Right, I'll see you soon. Yeah, nice one, pal. In a bit. Yeah.